Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and the offseason continues as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 233. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with two of my best friends in the business, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, Josh Norris from Roto World NBC Sports. Just a fun, casual conversation about how they started in the player evaluation business, uh, how we use analytics when projecting college players to the NFL, and then everyone's favorite, how we go about making player comparisons from college to the NFL. Honestly, this this conversation is very similar to the conversations that Dane, Josh, and I have whenever we see each other at the Combine or at the Senior Bowl, at the Shrine Bowl. So being able to do it with some mics in our faces uh, this past week was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to get right to the top here. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Really excited to welcome back to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, my friend, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Dane, uh, welcome back to the show, man. No, thanks. I this think is... you've been on the show before. I, I know so. you've, been on, you've been on Journey of the Draft a bunch of times. For sure. Uh, but I want to talk about player evaluation process. I want to first get into your, your background, your history. What, yep. what, how did you first get into the business of player evaluation? Uh, well, I... I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I'm a Cleveland yep. guy. And, um, you know, when the Browns came back in 99, I was just enamored with, okay, well, why Tim Couch or why Donovan McNabb or why Ricky Williams? And that whole process just was fascinating to me. And so it became a hobby and then it became a kind of an obsession. And I really didn't think I could do anything else with my life besides scout football and figure it out. And so, you know, if you want to be a, a doctor, you go to medical school. You want to be a lawyer, you go to law school. If you want to be a scout, what the heck do you do? You know, right. so I figured out how to kind of carve my own way, and that included, you know, going to Mount Union, uh, Division Three powerhouse. And my senior year, I worked for the football team, and uh, we also had another senior there by the name of Pierre Garcon. And um, you know, we had scouts coming through every week, uh, coming through Alliance Ohio, and it was it was my responsibility to take those scouts around uh, to the practice and the facility and things like that and that's what really kind of got me started and I was doing stuff on my own besides sure. that but that kind of started my networking and my informal education um, CO Bracado uh, legendary scout he was really one of my biggest mentors in terms of teaching me the business, showing me the ropes, um, teaching me how to scout, the traits that you're looking for, things like that. And just it's evolved over the years. And so mm-hmm. it's it's such a fascinating process and something that it doesn't matter where you are uh, in your as a scout, there's always more to learn. It's a constantly evolving thing. No question. And so it's, it's something that um, – that, trying to figure out position by position the traits you're looking for it's an ongoing battle how to use the data there's so much information out there and just trying to figure out how to best use it and then just when you think you have it figured out or you know not figured out but close to figuring it out you're headed in the right direction there's an outlier or you know there's something that changes the way you're thinking and so it's just a fascinating process and I'm blessed to be able to say I can do it for my career sure it's funny you brought up that draft because 
that was really the draft for me that got me hooked too because mm -hmm. that was a huge debate. And you know, Browns were picking one, right? Eagles were picking two, right? That's and a good point. it was a huge debate. Andy Reid's first season. Yep, it was Andy's yeah. first draft, and it was Donovan McNabb versus Ricky Williams, and that was all sports talk radio back then. Yeah. Was uh, every headline was Ricky versus Donovan? Who would it, who should it be? Who would it be? Um, and that, that was where it really kind of got me in tune with the NFL draft. That's and funny. Uh, from that point on, I was kind of hooked as well. Um, you brought up an interesting point about like the the data that's available now. We didn't have this data from all these sources like available three four years ago. Like yeah. we, you and I were still like we're in the business. We didn't have this stuff available to us. Uh, how in, how do you use that data at this point? Like, is it tough to bring it in because you it's, you didn't have it historically, so right. you don't have context to it? Uh, how do you try and incorporate it? That is such a loaded question because um, there's so many different ways you can. And, you know, here at the Combine, obviously, you have your, you know, the 40-yard dash and sure. the three-cone and some of these more traditional drills. Um, but and it's, it's, it's a very evolving process. And, you know, we're seeing this year it's going to be in prime time and yep. some of the drills are going to be timed. And, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I just – it's hard to tell how many of these drills are made for – TV, how sure. many of these drills are made for the betterment of teams to do their job. Um, that's a really interesting part of this, too, is trying to figure it out. Uh, so all I know is it's constantly evolving, um, and it's something that I think we're, we're trying to figure out. Because, like I said, just when you think you're headed in the right direction, there's an outlier, or there's yep. something that, you know, Devin Singletary last year. Right. Uh, I remember sitting here, right here at this table with you, we both gushed over Devin Singletary. Yep. Then he goes out and runs in the mid-four sixes. And and off everybody. It, it wasn't yep. just a 40-yard, it was the three-cone, the shuttles. And, you know, it's just like, okay, what are we missing? Because he looks like Shady McCoy on tape. Right. And then he goes out and has a you know productive rookie year. So um, it, it's something that I think Josh Norris could probably provide some context <laughs> well, to. I was just going to say, you said that the process is constantly evolving. This podcast episode is constantly evolving as we welcome in uh, our, another one of our good friends, Josh Norris from uh, Roto World and NBC Sports. Josh, uh, we're talking through the use of data. Yep. in the pre-draft process and how uh, a lot of the sources that we get, the places that we get this data from, you know, we didn't necessarily have it a few, a couple years ago, three, four years ago, and now we're starting to see a, more of an influx for it for us in the media. How do you incorporate that into your process? First of all, I would do anything for you too, and that's including <laughs> running across this convention center just to get here after another guest on my own podcast to not show up because you have no credential. Yes, I am. Okay. Um, I, I think Devin Singletary is an interesting name that you brought up because I think I think now with athletic testing, it's become very binary mm. in that either people believe you have to use it for everything or use it for nothing. Right. And there's something in the middle. And I don't think it applies equally to every single position. For running back, I don't think it applies at all. Now, I'm going to say that with a caveat is I don't think it applies at all to top-ranked players that we see when we evaluate them. Um, Dalvin Cook is an example. Yep. Dave Montgomery went quite early. Devin Singletary was another name. Josh Jacobs did not even test that well. But you can help unearth some gems for you too. Exactly. Later. Or it eliminate is, some people later on. It is the perfect type of information when you get into round six, round seven, undrafted free agents. Yeah. Mike yeah. Boone, Raheem Mostert, Your boy. Yep. Matt yep. Breida. These one. are all players that I would much rather take dart throws on as undrafted free agents rather than, again, those bad athletes in that same territory. Interesting. Yeah, I, to me, uh, I always struggle personally with like, all right, like, 
I didn't have this data a couple years ago. I don't have, so I don't have like the historical context. I can go back and look at how I evaluated and graded a player in 2012 and 2014 and 2015 before I had uh, you know anything but just these combine numbers. And hmm. so like even like going back, like the Spark data goes back a certain point, but not you know as far back as we would like. It, it, to me, trying to incorporate all that stuff into my own process has been uh, a fun part. But, but don't you think it's important for specific positions, Dane? Because like running back is, I just mentioned, but I, I highly value it with edge rushers and offensive tackles yeah. into your defensive linemen. Because when you look at a football field, it's obviously 11 on 11, and there are very few true one-on-one matchups. Mm. But I, I can say, you know, 75% of the time, your edge rusher is going to go against this offensive tackle, and who wins? In a, in a perfect world, wouldn't it be better to have an athletic leg up in that Standpoint, sure. like in its simplest form, just having that athletic advantage, I think does matter. And then coupling it with like maybe you rank three or four players with round one grades among edge rushers, but one is you know this 30th percentile athlete, two of them are 85th percentile athletes. Wouldn't you just feel better taking the better athlete in that dynamic? And I, I think that's just an easy way for how all this athletic testing can be applied. Yeah, and that makes sense. But I think especially what you said about different positions, because it just it really does matter. Certain positions are more stopwatch positions than others. Uh, corner, wide receiver, you know, the long speed, that certainly matters. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough because there are definitely outliers. And I think going into the combine, it's important, at least from my perspective, it's important to have an idea of how they play on the field, mm. um, how they perform athletically. Um, you know, and I think there's the old 90-10 rule, uh, where 90% of the results this week at the combine should confirm what you thought going in. Yep. But there's going to be 10% that is not what you thought. And what do you do with that 10%? Uh, it, you don't just ignore it. You don't just take it on its face value. You have to try and figure out what's going on. And it, it's 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 one thing if it's a running back, uh, you know, like Devin Singletary last year. It's another if it's a corner or. Um, you know, guys that just play better, play better, play faster, and so it, it can be it be tough just to trust the numbers. But it's still, it's it's factual, quantitative data. I see. I kind of disagree, and this is great. Like you and I are friends. We're friends too, Dane and Fran. Like this is something where I think my eyes lie to me. You know, I, I don't completely they can, oh, they can, of course. trust my eyes in every avenue right. to completely discern. Well. This guy's a good athlete, this one's not. I, in many cases, would much rather trust numbers because these athletes have been training, most likely, hopefully, for this moment, but then also incorporate, well, if they had a bad test here, they also have their pro day to make up for it. Because like they're, they, at pro days, it's an easier environment. They don't have to get up so early. And so we shouldn't just dismiss those. But again, I just want to reiterate that I'm not saying that what I've seen heading into this event does not matter at all. It absolutely does. But I'm also of the belief that I can be absolutely wrong, and this is a way to correct that. Yeah. I, I agree with the idea of being able to trust the numbers. I just I, I know that there's just so many factors that can come into a, a play when a guy does not test. He might test two-tenths of a second different because of factor A, B, C, D, E. Like, yeah. he didn't train great, and his start wasn't great. But man, his top end speed on film is outstanding. And like, you saw it in the, the from 20 to 40 yards, but man, like the, he, lost the, he lost two tenths because of his 10 yard split. Like, uh, so to me, like it is easier to trust the numbers, but 
uh, I just I can't get like all the way in because hmm. I just I I have an understanding of I feel like I have an understanding anyway of like how it could go awry. And if it was up to you, Josh, I think you would you would have the combine be kind of the first step of the scouting process. So you understand from the right right away what type of athlete they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I will not post any rankings now until after the combine from mm-hmm. now on. So I mean. And there's have a you, lot. Of, have you looked at any of these players? Oh like, yes. So okay, so you have. I'm about some, 70 in right now. So you have some preconceived understanding of who they are. For sure, and I'm super behind in compared to previous years. Like previous years, I would go to the Shrine Game, the Senior Bowl, and have right. all sure. those guys watched. I, I think that there are a lot of factors that can go into a bad workout. But someone who always will point to this is like Levante David. You know, like yep. I thought Levante David played fairly fast in field, and he did. And then I go. And watch someone like Phil Dawson. No, Phil. Phil. Paul, Paul Dawson. Dawson, the Paul linebacker Dawson. from TCU. Love Paul Dawson. <laughs> who I and I thought Paul Dawson played fast, and I thought he was a very similar player didn't to he, like, Levante not break David. Five? He, didn't he yeah, like five he has one of like the worst combines you've seen, and mm-hmm. still gets drafted fairly highly because I'm sure the NFL had similar evaluations mm-hmm. prior, prior to the combine. He's also terrible off the field. That I did. That was he had that, and yeah. I think that. Being off the field and not preparing probably no question. set him up Absolutely. for failure yep. here. Ja'Kai Polite yep. was this Absolutely. easy example that we can bring up mm-hmm. from last season as well. But, no, I I would love just to have more information before I put my name to anything. And so waiting for me to post rankings after an event like this matters a lot. So I want to flip this conversation on its head a little bit. I'm going to take a completely different direction. How do you guys feel and how do you guys utilize player comparisons when you're doing your evaluations? Are you like completely anti-player evalu- or player comparison? Do you like tier it? Do you put like one name to one name? How, how do you guys utilize Like a spectrum? It? Yeah. I, I just, I don't force it. Sometimes it's yep. natural yep. and sometimes it's not. And if it's not, then I'm not gonna, like when I do, when I write about players, if there's one that just really stands out and like this just guy. pounds you over the head. Yeah, exactly. I'm yep. gonna include it and talk about it and yep. say he reminds me of this. And sometimes, and there's different comparisons. Sometimes guys remind you of a player, uh, you know, stylistically or um, just their skill set mm. or, you know, certain parts. And sometimes it's just one trait. You know, sometimes a running back, I think he's got, I think he's got this guy's vision or, you know, but he doesn't yep. have everything else. And so the, I, I don't like the player comparison name. Like, right. they require so much context. It's never... There's so much nuance needed for exactly, that. Yeah. There's so rarely apples to apples. This guy is this guy. This guy is this guy. And, you know, it's if I if I did comparisons, if I had to do them, I would do them with, as long as I can include a paragraph and explain exactly what I'm thinking, uh, then I'd be okay doing comparisons. They're just not always natural. They don't always come cleanly, and then you hate to force them. But at the same time, there is... It can be helpful because it can help create an idea of who that player is going to be and, you know, help give people that maybe haven't seen them, uh, you know, idea of uh, who that player can be at the next level. All three of us do content in, like, different ways for what we're asked to do. And, like, to me, like, if I, I don't have to post, like, my notes on guys and my projections on guys, if I had my – if I had the ability to do that or if I was asked to do that, I should say, I would do different levels of player comparison with, like, body type – X, okay, hmm. athletic profile, right. you look at those spider charts and everything, that's what that there's a comparison. Film study, uh, you know, this is what the compare this is a guy who he, he, he reminds me of. Um, utilization, hey, he could be used like this, you know, this guy. Friend, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's it can be a lot of work. <laughs> I think for me, Probably player, too much work. <laughs> player comparisons are, are fun. Yes. First of all. Yeah. Uh, People our, love them. Yeah. Our text Fans chains know that like I'll give you an example. <laughs> a couple years ago I was watching GJ Kinney. Right. Okay, 
and offensive I, coordinator Hawaii now. I was like, yes, who does he remind me of playing this position? And I might have texted you, and we got to it. Aesthetically, it's like it's Jeff Garcia. Right. Like they they played very similarly, and so much of it is aesthetic to me, and mm. no player comparison is perfect, and people take them way too literally. Mm. Like if in this draft class I compared a wide receiver to Chris Godwin, mm. you know. That means, at least to me, that it's this big wide receiver who's super athletic, who can go up and dominate and be one of the best in this class at winning in contested situations. Yeah. But someone out there who reads or listens to our work might say, okay, that also means he's going to go in the third round but have a really good third year in the NFL right. and have a breakout. You yeah. know, and it, it's, it's, never, it's never perfect. But what I always go back to is, one, aesthetic, but two, Utilization and, and how they yeah. win in the field. It all goes back to to how they win and how and and what strengths they offer. And you know, if they're an inch separate, who cares? If they're twenty pounds yep. difference, you know, that yeah. can matter. But more aesthetically and, and, and how they win in the field is always how I go back to comparisons. So we started this conversation, Dane, with getting your entrance into covering the NFL draft and, play and player evaluation. We're going to wrap it up, Josh. I want to hear how, how you got into the player evaluation business. Well, it all started in 1995, <laughs> and the Carolina Panthers came to Charlotte. Yep. You fast forward a few years. Were you two years old, three yeah, years old? I was seven, sir. Oh, I keep forgetting. I was seven. I, I'm glad you think I'm younger than I am. Um, no, honestly, I've just always been obsessed with football. Yep. I'm sure maybe you can all agree with this that, you know, I have a brother and he You can all agree with that, yeah. He yeah. he is a lawyer and I'm sure my parents sat up at night when I grew up and like knew what he was going to do, but sat up at night and be like, Josh likes just likes football and what is he gonna do with his life? He's gonna run the forty yard dash and <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> that is incredibly true. Uh, no, I was lucky enough to go to a school named Elon University. Yep. I got an internship with the Rams scouting department as a, a, during my... How did that happen? So the GM of the Rams at the time, Billy Devaney, right? was an Elon graduate. And he opened it got up. It. it was like one of those Truman Show moments where I already had an internship in L.A. with Fox Sports Radio. But then like the day after the end of classes, uh, I get this email saying, like, only open to an Elon student. NFL scouting department with St. Louis Rams internship. I was like, this was this was made for me. Yeah, um, but it was a great experience. That was the year that it was Sam Bradford's rookie year. Jason Smith in his second year. Remember that name? Right. Jason sure. Smith. They already Baylor, knew he wasn't going to be a left yep. tackle, so they drafted Roger Saffold in the second round. Also turned into not a left nope. tackle. Yep. Um, and then they invited me back for the 2011 NFL draft. So I was in the draft room with them for all seven rounds of that. And that how was, was that? That was Robert Quinn. You're the only one of us that's been in a draft room. Really? That's true. That, that was a very – my job was to move the magnets from the front board to the back board. Right. Um, that was also the lockout year. That's yes. right. That was Cam Newton. Right. Yeah. And that was no free agency ahead yep. of the draft. Yep. All those quarterbacks went quickly. Mm -hmm. It also put into perspective to me of, one, who makes the decisions. I know every team is different, but how it's really head coach, GM. Because, you know, coaches would come in there'd be discussions about five or six picks to go until they're up on the clock. Did they but have the then, scouts in the room too? Yes. Okay. The scouts were always in the room. The, the, the coaches were in the room next door. But then, you know, they slowly trickle in the closer you get sure. to the But then, like, with one or two picks to go, it was Steve Spagnuolo and Billy Devaney would, like, huddle in a corner and just have their own conversation. So if you remember that draft class of the Rams, it was Robert Quinn in round one. They had no clue they wanted they, they were going to get Robert Quinn. Actually, it was probably going to be between Corey Legit and Prince of Mukamara. Okay. Um, but then as you go on, 
they drafted Austin Pettis. They right. drafted State, yeah. State, yeah. great special teamer. Greg Salas. Hawaii, yeah. Is that correct? That's yeah. yeah. Um, Both on day two, right? Or yeah. what it used to be. Day so, two. and they were or actually, well, no, then the second round pick was Lance Kendricks oh, because Wisconsin. Josh yeah. McDaniels had just joined as the offensive coordinator. And he had come from the Patriots where they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. No, mm-hmm. excuse me, he came from Denver, but, you know, yeah. two yeah. tight end sets. And they thought Lance Kendricks was going to be their receiving tight end I liked him, yeah. opposite of Michael Hoho Manawanui. That didn't turn out well. Who cool, man. But it was also a jolt of information that Lance Kendricks wasn't even close to the top of the board in the second round. And when Billy said, hey, we're going to draft him, the director of college scouting just laughed at him. He's like, you're just going against all of our grades. Where was he? Right now. Do you remember like where? I think he was like 20 grades down. Okay. So probably still a second-round pick. Actually, that morning, we all woke up and watched Lance Kendrick's tape and DJ Williams' tape, Arkansas tight end. Wow, yeah. Because they were going to take one of those to be their receiving time. People thought, like, round three or round four, but it ended up being in round two. I'm rambling here. There's more stories. But, like, I was also amazed at how little process they had in their third-day selections. Mm. Like, they got around to round five, round six, round seven, and it was just throwing darts. It was like, hey, we haven't picked anyone from your area. Who do you want to take on the board? Oh, and, like, wow. that's just awful process. Well, that's what a lot of scouts you talk to will say, look, the day one, day two, that's the, the, the GM, head coach, the decision makers. You get to day three and undrafted free agents. Those are those are our guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, uh, that's who we have the most pride in, and we kind of help most. And, you know, I love what the Ravens did when it was Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta yeah. because Newsom would take the first two days and then – to prepare for his full-time general manager role to Costa, because I believe there was one year where the Ravens had like three fourth-round picks or four fourth-round picks. Yes. And that was like his draft, was to determine hits that they could get in round four and round was five that the on day Di- three. Was that it the was. Kenneth Dixon year? Like it Willie was. Henry from Michigan? Yep. And Tavon yeah. Young, maybe? Yeah, Tavon Young was yep. in that group. Yep. Um, so I think that's really cool. And I, I would love to see that be implemented more across the NFL hmm. because – Having process when you get to day three, maybe including athletic testing to bring this full circle more often, to rely on scouts who you believe can find those gems that other people, because we all love many of the same prospects. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool to see that used across the NFL. So we went about 20-ish minutes. We probably could go for another two hours, but uh, Dane's got somewhere to be. You've got some, you've got <laughs> whoever you've got to interview uh, across the across the way here in the media center. I uh, appreciate the time for both of you guys here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Great stuff from both Dane and Josh, and you can follow them just like I do on Twitter at DP Brugler and at Josh Norris. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen. Give us a rating. Leave us a comment. wanted to give a shout-out to someone who did just that at right him left a five-star review saying how much he loved the episode with the combine trainers and left a review just to talk about that specific episode so uh right him will really hope you enjoyed that one really glad to hear from you excited to uh continue to produce more shows just like that give you guys a peek behind the scenes as to what goes on throughout the course of the nfl calendar year so hope you guys enjoyed that episode hope you enjoyed hearing uh from the combine or from the strength coaches the week year after that or the week after that greg cosell last week josh and dane uh brought the juice 
interviews this week. So we did a, we've done a lot over the last few weeks, and we've got a lot of really fun interviews over the next few weeks as well. So we're just getting started here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. So uh, uh, Wilt brought up that combine performance and those numbers and the training it that goes into that, and another big step in that process already started and that's the pro day circuit so all all the colleges they're all gonna with with NFL prospects they're all gonna run basically their own mini NFL combine on each of their campuses and it's a little bit different, as Josh mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, you know, the the circumstances are a little bit different. The workouts uh, are you know are a little bit more scripted. They don't have to get up as early in the morning, so it's not you know there's not as much adversity for each of these players. The times are usually a little bit better, but I think it's important to note that you know you I mean, some people might stick their nose up to pro day times, but. Pro day times absolutely matter, and NFL teams, you know, they're going to take all those times a little bit differently. Some teams will use the best number throughout the process no matter what. So if a guy runs a 4-6 at the combine and he runs a 4-4 at the pro day, well, it's going to show 4-4 in their database. It's going to show 4-4 on his draft card. Some teams might take the average and say, all right, well, if he ran 4-6 in Indy and he ran 4-4 at his pro day, He's going to be a 4-5 guy for us. So every team is going to kind of treat that a little bit differently. Most teams are going to take the best number, especially the, or even the most recent number. And I think that's where you're really going to start to see some of these guys uh, put some better numbers up. I would expect, honestly, this pro day circuit, there to be a lot more improved numbers in, in uh, comparison to years past because I feel like a lot of these guys with the new combine schedule, so not everybody was kind of up to speed in terms of getting their bodies right for running late in the day or late into the night in some cases. So I would expect a lot of those times to look a little bit better, especially in the 40-yard dash and the jumps. Uh, we're going to see a lot more shuttles because a lot of players honestly chose not to even do the ju- or the uh, the shuttle, you know, the three cone and the short shuttle drill uh, out in Indianapolis. So we'll see some updated times for those guys throughout the course of this pro day circuit. But uh, certainly a fun time gearing up for, towards the NFL draft. We've got free agency, though, right on the horizon. So we'll be here. We'll be breaking it all down. Everything that happens here in Philadelphia, we'll be breaking that down over the course of the next few weeks when it comes to free agency. Really appreciate the job that Dane Brugler and Josh Norris did at the top of the show. Appreciate all of you for listening as well, whether you're listening on you know, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Google Play, uh, everywhere that you can listen. Spotify, we're on Spotify now. Tune in. So wherever you listen, really, really appreciate it. Again, just one more time. Go on, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. I hope you guys are already subscribed to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA as well. We've got weekly episodes coming your way every single week leading up to the NFL Draft as well. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.